ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. So first off is our discussions on Romans chapter 7. All right, Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 21. Uh, so again, this is a carryover. Uh, this, you know, if we had the whole hour to do Romans, we would have included, you know, this entire passage. Uh, but it picks up here in... Um, is it 18, I guess? Uh, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to me is to will, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin in me that dwelleth, or sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, Evil is present with me. So uh, this is a carryover of him saying, you know, the very thing that I would do, I do not do. The very thing that I uh, would not do, I do. And he's finishing that up in here. For, for me, the key to this entire passage uh, and, and what Paul is trying to get across here, number one, he's trying to tell you that the law is good for showing you sin in your life. But the law is absolutely powerless to help you overcome sin well now in this ver first verse here 18 he says for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing so not only is the law powerless but you are powerless now I think all of us would absolutely agree with the reality that before Christ we are powerless to overcome our sin we make the you don't want to either C correct. You have no desire. As far as what, what's wrong? You know, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, and uh, the, that brings the old saying is, is that the, before you can get them saved, you got to get them lost. You got to help them realize that they are undone and that they are absolutely in need of a Savior. Well, uh, so now once you've got that Savior and, and David, I'm sorry, uh, Paul is absolutely talking about post-Christ in 16, 17, and 18. Now he's saying, but even with Christ, there's still no power in the flesh. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, the, 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 there's got to be that connection where you and I realize that, okay, sure, the, the law is just a schoolmaster to get me to Christ. And once I know Christ, I, I still can't depend upon my flesh to do what is the right thing to do. I, I must depend upon the Spirit of God inside of me to do what God has called me to do. Now, in my humble opinion, you know, you've heard us say that saved church members make so much better church members. Well, that's the start of the process. Spirit-filled church members make the best church members because that's what's missing here in Paul, and it's what he's going to get to in chapter uh, 8, and that is is that for you and I to successfully live the Christian life that God has called us to, uh, we, we can't depend upon the law, if you will, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not or thou shalt. We can't depend upon our ability, our prowess, our energy, our flesh, our will. You know, we're not going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We've got to depend completely, totally, and wholly on the power of the Spirit. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, that, for me, it's... That those, 
those verses there, that's what we're getting across. Comments. So I hung up on the, the, the term flesh. So in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's a, that's a, um, that phrase is a foundational statement about the condition of man. Right. But I hung up on flesh. So, so flesh being the fallen nature. That, that's how I take so it, So not yes. necessarily your physical body. The old man. So, okay. So okay. What, what we would consider the, the fallen nature right. of man, the man that's been separated. That's, that's what I think, too, because it, it's very, very much a relatable passage to me because he says, you know, I will to do these things, but I can't find it in me how to do them. Right. So even, I think it's more than saved versus lost. It's more once you are saved, you're still going to have a battle with your old flesh because um, you want to do the right thing, but sometimes you are overcome by the flesh and don't do them, even though it is what you will to do. Okay, and so absolutely, but but Gavin, I, I don't know what you said there. In other words, I, I think it's and, it's both and. Right, so I think it can be in your physical flesh as well. Yeah, yeah, because the physical flesh is what has the urges and the appetites, which is pushing your uh, soul, think, mind, will, and emotion to though, do the wrong thing. That the, the physical is just a reflection of the spiritual. So if you are desiring, you know, whatever whatever you're lusting after, then it's going to be reflected with physical urges too. But it comes from the soul. So that, I that's where I, that's where the the conflict came from in my head. Um, if if it's our physical body also, that that uh, condemns a lot of things. Uh, so procreating. Uh, work going to work that all involves my physical body but physical body under the control of my of the spirit is is good absolutely and, and, and can bring good physical body under the control of the fallen nature mm -hmm. can bring bad so that's why I was trying to distinguish between the you know the flesh being the our our physical body versus the, the fallen nature mm -hmm. so uh, there's so many things that can happen that are good with the body mm -hmm. physically if it's surrendered to the Spirit of God, and and how do you surrender? When you when you look listen to Paul's epistles in Galatians and Ephesians, you got to die, you know, uh, and and so and it's not always easy. Like it no. says here, it says, "But how to perform what is good, I do not find." So not find. even Paul sometimes just right. doesn't understand in the moment how to do it. Right, because I mean, you know, you especially as Americans. Surrender is really not in our, you know, vocabulary. Uh, r retreat, you know, heck, uh, comes from the Marines, you know. We're not going to retreat. Well, th that type of mentality doesn't work in, in spirituality. In mm -hmm. spirituality... But it can. Well, well it can. yeah, once you're surrendered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so surrender to the Spirit is the first act. And then after that, absolutely. You and know? I think the reason for that, too, is because, you know, Surrendering to another man is not the same as surrendering to God. God actually has some kind of authority, but there are, you know, all men are created equal right. in God's eyes. So it makes sense to not surrender to another man, but to God, he actually has the authority and the power that you should surrender to. Okay, amen, amen. But, but now, okay, let's say that's one, but then 1A is what if a part of the surrender to God is to surrender to whether it's a boss or an even underling that has a better way to do something than you do, you know. Uh, so I mean, I, I and I don't yeah. think I'm arguing against what you're saying. Oh, I'm I just agree. saying there's another facet there mm -hmm. 
that, that once you've surrendered to God, that may lead to, you know, third place, mm-hmm. surrendering to another person that has a better way to do it. Maybe they have more authority than you do. God's I mean, clarified that too. Yeah, as well. your if neighbor. You're, if right. you're submitting to your boss, you're, you're submitting to him as, in, as you as are to Christ. To God, so. right. Amen. Good stuff. I'm now hung up on the word flesh, Uncle Gavin, because I think there's definitely some credit there. Because we do know that sin is in the flesh. That's why we die. That's why when a new child is born, like you said, progeny, they are also now endued with a sin debt. That didn't come from necessarily the soul. It came from their flesh, like being born from another human. And and having having that uh, fallen nature inherited also so they, they're born with that right nature. right and then that's i think that would be why we are also given a new body like if it was just our right. spirits and souls that needed to be reborn he could replace that and leave our leave us in our body but he gives us a new body so out of those three the spirit soul and body the spirit is the only entity in human flesh if you will that is completely transformed at salvation you have your new spirit that's the spirit you're going to carry to heaven and the such but your soul your mind will emotion and your flesh your physical body are still marred by the fall and that that's the old man you know and this is my a humble opinion and so the rest of your life is you learning how to have that dominant spirit control the mind will and emotion so that it is not subject to the urges and the temptations of the flesh. And, 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 and absolutely, Gavin uh, and Ryan, once the spirit, is, once the mind, will, and emotion submit to the spirit, then the body's going to fall in line, you know. And, and then, yes, the body's going to do great things. You know, it's going to work hard. It's going to uh, help people come to Christ, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I, I, I think we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to tease out that word yeah. flesh. Yeah. I like it. Well, this gives us plenty of time to talk about uh, the tier list later. So moving on to the sugar sticks of life. So how do you want to do this? Because uh, I forget from time to time. Do all, all of us share our sugar stick? Yeah, we have time. Okay. Uh, I've got two, but I'm going to go with the one that is seasonal. And I, if you think we've got time, I've got like a three-minute read. But anyway, uh, I wrote a I wrote a – it's not a poem – but I wrote a writing last year, the night before gun season. And uh, you talk about sugar stick. uh, But anyway, uh, it's having to do with, you know, what we're going to experience this weekend. Uh, I am not a successful deer hunter, but I am a faithful deer hunter. So let me see if I can find it. Someone else go while I'm looking this up. All right, my sugar stick is just people. Uh, Because for one... um, while we were having Maverick, we had a lot of support from people around us. It was very humbling. Um, so then that aspect of it where they support you, the people that you do know, but then the people that you don't know and just meet along the way, are, there's a lot of weird characters out there. I met one today that I was laying stone, and the guy comes up to me and starts talking about how he's doing it on his house and starts asking questions. But then every time I would try to answer his question, he would just interrupt and keep saying what he was doing next. It was, it was just <laughs> funny watching him act like he wanted to know but he really he, he just he, wanted to show off what he knew <laughs> it, it's hilarious the type of people you'll meet and that's that's one of the more tame ones but there's just so many different <laughs> people you, you need to tell us a story about that 
that guy on the riverfront that was uh, the, the gun goes clow clow and oh clow, yeah clow, we, clow. yeah we were we were on break at the riverfront and there's this black guy that comes walking down the road and just nonchalant starts talking about shooting white people in St. Louis and how that's how they do it on the east side and oh he's, I'm gonna get a gun with a switch and we're like what what do you mean a gun with a switch he's no it doesn't go pop pop it goes grat starts making all these <laughs> gun noises like yeah man I got a 45 in the car and it goes clow you know what I'm saying it goes clow <laughs> so he just starts nonchalant talking about shooting white people while we're sitting there on lunch <laughs> to, to white people to a bunch of white people yeah <laughs> and then he set his tall boy down on the ground tried to stomp it and about oh. fell over he, it was like he was 9.30 and he was already three sheets to the land down yeah. Say. yeah he's already wasted Lord, <laughs> he, he needed to hear about the Lord yeah yeah, yeah amen <laughs> So I, f I found it. Here we go. The night before gun season. So first of all, this is not a poem, about, but a writing of the importance of the night before gun season to a sincere Christian hunter. There is nothing on this planet or universe to compare to the incarnate Christ lying in a manger preparing to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders to the cross to pay for the sins of all mankind. So in that sense, this is in no way a writing to compare the silly event of gun season to Christ or what he did for us as much as to share from a hunter's heart what a joy this evening is and in a very small way is reminiscent of the joy that we get before opening presents each Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. It's a joy that truly only the avid deer hunter or really any species hunter on the night before the opening day of their particular season can relate to, such as a, a duck hunter or a goose hunter or whatever. For me, it is a restless night. I'm thinking of my stand placement. I'm thinking, have I remembered everything? I'm trying to remember everything. I'm usually forgetting a few things while I'm remembering other things and thinking about where to place other hunters that I may be responsible for. I'm thinking about the hopes and dreams of some other hunters that have told me of their possibilities and the such. I'm trying to remember the to buy my tags. I'm wondering if my truck is ready for the trip, if I'll be able to actually find my stand that I placed in the day before in the dark. Where's my flashlight? Oh yeah, that's right, it's in my hunting pack. Where did I put my hunting pack? That's right, it's in the truck. Where are my keys? You get the point. It's a night of hoping that my family understands how much I appreciate the fact that they allow me to have this opportunity, which may on some level seem like a neglectful time to them, but in reality it's just them letting me do something that I enjoy doing, and I try to be faithful at other times to do the same for them. It's also an opportunity for me to get my wife an additional gift. We call it the deer season gift or deer hunting gift. And then, of course, when you get on that stand as the sun is coming up, the Holy Spirit is always faithful to encourage my time with him. I've probably cried as much on a deer stand as I have not because of those sweet times with the creator of the very thing that I enjoy doing or even though harvesting, killing a deer has become more frequent in my older age that it was in my younger days, it's not necessary for me to have a great time in the woods. I'm thankful to the Lord for all of the safety that has been poured out upon me doing a potentially very dangerous thing. I'm reminded of all the men who have poured into me their knowledge and wisdom, many of who are receiving this writing. I sent it to a bunch of guys that night, and so I just wanted to emote in this writing about how important this evening is to me. If you're getting this, I know it's important to you also. Happy hunting. May the Lord richly bless you tomorrow and throughout the hunting season. P.S. It has become almost a ceremony in my my latter days because bow hunting is now truly a passion for me but laying down that bow that has a kill range for me of about 30 to 35 yards max and picking up a gun that I can send a message almost 300 yards accurately for me that is a solemn ceremony one I have grown to enjoy that's a sugar stick Three, 300 yards <laughs> <laughs> depending on the person the gun is able to do it. How's that? It's a king-size sugar stick. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, Uncle Gavin? I, I, after that one, I, I don't want to come off too 
spiritual. Because <laughs> <laughs> that one obviously wasn't. <laughs> uh, po poked him twice now. He's got he's get retribution here. But, but it, I've just been amazed lately of, of, the, of your ability to go to the scripture for any topic, mm. any subject you're interested in. At any want time. Really good perspective and depth. And the software that we have now to search out words and topics is amazing. Um, so for any, it's just so enriching to go to the scripture with one topic and then find out that there's 57 verses on that topic or that, right. that word. And then this software that I use, it's free software. You can get it at eswar.com. It'll tell you what the word means in um, Hebrew and in Greek, Aramaic. Uh, so, so you can find out exactly what they meant. So anyway, just lately I've been blessed by that. Awesome. Mine is Branson's gospel message. I went to Branson, uh, speaking of fun characters, with my friend Blair. And um, it was, Branson has always been a place that I think, not every place in Branson, but specifically Silver Dollar City, they are always very faithful to bring everything back in their shows to the gospel message. Um, so I was, I, that blessed me, being there for just the Christmas experience the worldly way that you know people. Which show did you see? Uh, the the show in the saloon, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and they Just brought curious. Jesus into the saloon. It was a good time. Everything so, comes back to Jesus. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Everyone needs Jesus. Um, so that was my sugar stick. Okay, so mystery topic. We're down to just Ryan. All right. So, um, so you guys can prepare as I'm talking. Uh, think of an obscure Bible story that you like that you don't think it's another person will have heard. Um, the way I came up with the topic was I was reading through Numbers, because I'm trying to read through the whole Bible, and a lot of people give Numbers a bad rap and act like it's not worth reading, you know, skim right. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Yeah. So yeah. my obscure story comes from Numbers. Um, Moses and Aaron are trying to lead the people, and a, a group of three or four of them, it's in chapter 16, a group of three or four of them of the uh, underlings, so to speak, a couple of the Levites and a couple of the other leaders that were underneath Moses and Aaron, um, basically try to stage a coup, and they go to Moses and Aaron, they're like, what makes you think that God chose you? We're all holy here. He didn't choose you to lead us, you know? So uh, Moses and Aaron fall on their face and um, start praying to God and uh, end up telling these people, you know, get a censer and fill it with fire, and we'll all meet at the tabernacle, and we'll let God choose who he wants to lead. Um, so they all get to there uh, with their censers, and they're standing in front of the temple, and it says the glory of the Lord was shown before them. And then God tells Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to wipe them all out. <laughs> Step aside. Yeah, so then uh, Moses pleads with God and asks him, he's, you know, don't wipe out everybody for the sake of these people who are rebelling type of thing. Right. So uh, he commands Moses to tell everyone to get away from their tents. So the rest of the people, I think there's 250 with them at the time, they move away from the tents, and then these... Uh, leaders of the rebellion come out of their tents and uh, Moses says if you die by natural means we'll know that you know it's just natural causes right. but if something that we've never seen before happens then we'll know that God has struck down your rebellion basically and it says that the earth opened up and swallowed them whole and alive Ooh. and they went down into the earth and died and then God wiped out the other 250 with fire so he made it very clear right. who was meant to be leading 
Um, so that was leading up to the part that I um, think would make a good scene in the movie. After that, um, the rest of the people go to Moses and Aaron, and they're saying basically, what, what the heck are you doing? You're killing us. You brought us out of Egypt, and now right. you're trying to slaughter us in the wilderness. Um, so then um, God sends a plague throughout those people, and uh, I, I think it's verse 46. Some people never learn. Yeah, Moses tells Aaron, you know, get a censer and make offering for the people and run out into the midst of them and stop the plague, basically. Right. Um, and he says, in 46, it says, for the wrath, the wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. And so Aaron takes his uh, incense and runs out into the middle of the, uh, the group of people. And it says that right where he's standing, he basically, you know, holds it up as an offering and the plague stops right there. Wow. So you could see, like in a movie scene, all these people right. falling dead. And Aaron's outrunning the dead people and turns around and stops awesome. the plague. Yep. So it's just an epic story in uh, a book of the Bible that usually gets overlooked because it's full of a lot of, like, genealogies and sure. rules and stuff like that. Numbers. So, yeah. Yeah, part yeah. Of, a lot of the book is boring, but there are some very interesting parts. So I wanted to give a defense of numbers and then also see if you guys had an obscure story that you thought would be interesting. I do. You do. What is it? Micah and the Levite. Okay. In the, it's in, in Judges chapter 17. Micah is uh, an Israelite, and he is away from Jerusalem. And I, my understanding is that you can have a Levite that comes and serves your family. But he picks this Levite uh, who, let me see if it's, I'm getting the, the, the story mixed up here. Let, I'll just read a little bit of it here. There was a man in, of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. Yeah, so it was Micah who stole his mother's silver. And there, his mother's frantically looking for the silver, 1,100 shekels of silver. And he restores, goes finally feels bad enough to go to his mom and tell, tell her that, hey, I had your silver. And then she's so happy and overwhelmed with this, she says, bless the Lord, you've given me back my silver. So in, in celebration of that, she goes and buys an idol. So it, it's so bizarre, this, this first part of the story is so bizarre. And in the first six verses of, my, of Judges 17, almost every commandment is broken. So, so the so dishonor of the father and mother, stealing, uh, lying, you just go right down the list. Uh, idolatry, because you want an idol. Uh, so that, that first section of the chapter is just a demonstration of how people can be lost and be religious but have no clue uh, what, what's meaningful. And the rest of that story is tragic because Micah's family experienced tragedy and the Levite experienced tragedy in the story. But... You thought we thought that was a, a strange story for our time. Um, you, you can be religious and pay homage, but give uh, verbal kudos to the Lord, and yet completely Makes sin against Him. Right. Sounds like his life was complicated. <laughs> yes, it was. There's sin involved, that's and that's in the Book of Micah. That's in Judges. In judges. Yeah, just Judges 17. So staying with Judges, uh, Shamgar. Uh, killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, mm -hmm. so basically a pointy stick. And um, you talk about a, a movie that that's being left on the table. There had to be backstory there, you know. There had to be backstory as to why, you know, these 600 men uh, thought it, you know, what would the word be pertinent to attack this 
And did they go one at a time? How did he kill 600 of them? (laughs) Right. So so the Bible is quiet on those details. So you talk about poetic license. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've got it in here. I just got to get it on a computer somewhere, you know. Uh, Yeah, that's right. But uh, I, I, I like it. Uh, that's one of my favorite stories. I was also going to talk about Ehud, but we'll do that some other time. <laughs> uh, you've actually mentioned it recently, but Mephibosheth yep. is my favorite because it is also the winning answer that got me the, or got Bethel the winning. That's right. In the and a Bible Way back quiz in the day, Bible in quiz. Camp. camp. Because we knew the story of Mephibosheth, we won Bible quiz. And it's Jonathan's son who, when they were escaping the palace because they feared that David would kill them when he took over. His nursemaid dropped him, and so then he was lame. And so that's how I, I knew why he was lame, and it was because the nursemaid dropped him. Nice. So, and his name is also cool, Mephibosheth. Very nice. All right. That was a good one. I liked that. It's uh, thought-provoking, and there is a lot in Romans. I think Old Testament is definitely a wealth of stories that mm-hmm. we leave unread. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is, I'm interested to see how this goes. So for our break (laughs) today, we are going to do an apostle tier list. Okay. In Matthew 18, 1, the apostles asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Mm. And, of course, Jesus responded that whoever is last is first and who's ever first is last. That was the spiritual answer. I want us now to deliberate and who was the greatest of the apostles, and who were the least. You can have any sort of reasoning you like, but I would just kind of like, I have a tier, Brad put up a picture. So S is the top of the tier list. They are superior, okay? And then A is just a step below that, B, C, D, E, and then F is the lowest of lows, and we could probably just call that the Judas Iscariot tier. There you go. Is F tier. Feel. So I can go through, I can give you the names, and then we can decide what tier we think they might Kay. belong in. So the first name I have is Peter. Well, I mean, you know, if, because now you have to ask, so what's the criteria, you know? Well, that's and, what, and you can, can kind of right, make right. your own I, criteria. Do you have more than one on the same tier? Or yes, so oh, for sure, okay, yes. Okay, so to A for me. I mean, or A, to, okay, yeah. So top, Peter top, is A tier. Yes. Yes. yes, sorry, yes. Superior. So, and, and for me, the reason is not because of his pre-Christ or even present Christ, but it would be post-Christ. Once Christ has ascended, Peter's real metal came out, you know, because he, cause he had failed. And, and then he was restored, and, and he never failed again, you know, uh, type to, to, that, to that level. And, uh, to the death. Correct. And so, yeah, Peter, for me, would definitely be superior. Uh, he, he preached a sermon and 3,000 people got saved, preached it another time, 5,000 people got saved. Precious few preachers that can say that. Slept like a baby in prison. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> yeah, doubt. No worries. No worries. Um, and Jesus called him the cornerstone? That's why he changed his name? No, not, maybe not no, the cornerstone, uh, but the... Little, little stone. Uh, little because stone. he said, on this rock, which yes. is... Peter saying, you are the Christ. On this rock, I'll build my church. And, and so Peter is the little stone. That's what Peter means. But then the big stone was the confession that Christ is the Messiah. 
Right. Yep. Very good. The angel had to slap him on the side to wake him up. In the so they could prison. be known that he's been, yeah. Yep. We're letting you out, buddy. Any uh, disagreement, Ryan? No, I uh, I am very unprepared for this. So. Oh, that's okay. I, no one prepared. I said don't yeah, prep for this. This yes. is very much that, just off I'm the top of the head. Yes. <laughs> Andrew, his brother, Peter's brother, Andrew. So my argument for Andrew is, is that uh, all of the references are Andrew bringing people to Christ. Andrew didn't make a huge splash in the wisdom area. He didn't make a huge splash like Peter in the boisterous, I'll do whatever you need me to do, Lord. He was just quietly bringing people to Christ all the time. And I think you could definitely make an argument for that on the superior level. But since there is so little other than that, I'd put them in the A category for A me. A for Andrew. For Dad. Uncle ditto. Gavin? Do. Ditto. 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 <laughs> okay, James, the son of Zebedee. So, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to put him up with James. I mean, he's one of the other three. So, A or I'm sorry, S? Uh, Peter, I'd say that. I'd put Peter. him up with Peter. Okay. He's one of the other three. And I would, too. S. Because, essentially, Peter, James, and John were the inner circle with Jesus. So, should I just put John also on S tier because they're the inner I, circle? I would. I'm there. Okay. I would. Uh Ryan, you got anything to add to that? No, I'm enjoying listening. I am woefully ignorant of the apostles because I focus. Well, if more you asked me to name all twelve of them, I'd probably struggle. Yeah, I, I had to look. But them I up. could get most of them. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, Peter, James, and John—they were there at the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, but but they also were kind of the ringleaders of asking that question too. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, <laughs> they had a sin nature, uh, and and they struggled, and they. I think they struggled with being in Christ's inner circle. I think it went to their head, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, John refers to himself the one that Jesus loved. Right, right. And and so, you know, uh, but but yes, I think those three definitely would be superior. Um, John, uh, Peter and John have probably more biblical historic, you know, ability to argue that process. But, but and of course, James, I think, was martyred in, in the book of Acts because uh, he was killed before Peter was thrown in jail. If Does my memory serve me? Wasn't it James, the apostle, that was martyred so. by Herod? Yeah, so anyway. Okay, what about Philip? He's in the same category with me as Andrew. A. Yeah. A. Was another, it another? Philip that brought the little boy with the loaves and the fishes? In the this? Ethiopian? Yep, so yep, yep, the, yep. So the e oh, that's Ethiopia, right. He did. So he was sharing the gospel he, and bringing people. He got to teleport. Yeah. Yep, yep. Dead air. Uh, Bartholomew. Bartholomew. I know precious little <laughs> about Bartholomew. B for Bartholomew? Yeah, B. Uh, I, I think Bartholomew would probably, you know, again, if he could materialize right here, and he was a he was a faithful servant. He he because you know and again let's face it, out of twelve only one didn't make the cut. Mm. You know that's pretty impressive. You know Jesus didn't. Uh, you know, I mean how, how well would we do on that? You know if Jesus come to us and say you got six months go pick your twelve, <laughs> and see how many of those twelve are still with you three and a half years later. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as a pastor of a church, I can tell you right now, not very many. <laughs> uh, it, it's very difficult. You know, uh, is it in Timothy, Paul talks about 
training faithful men, you know. Uh, well, the, the Lord of Lords, I mean, he, he's going to be pretty good at his, his picking. And, of course, we know that, that Judas was supernaturally picked as well uh, for who he was and what he did. Now, I, I always had the conviction that Jesus was looking for just the right guys to pick in his lifetime to make them his apostles and then to leave the church in, in their hands. But I, I, the more I live, the more I think it's just being around Jesus. It's just the exposure to Jesus. In other words, it could have been any 11? Anybody that was willing. Yeah. Anybody that said yes to yeah. the Lord. He could have made whatever he... He could have trained them and and influenced them to the degree that he needed them to be the leaders of his church. And there's an interesting thought on that. I think it was Brad was the first person I ever heard say this, almost like a scholarly approach to it, that because I've always been told Brad and Bannerman? thought, yeah, Brad Bannerman, believe it or not, talked about something scholarly. Um, I've always been of the mindset that, that these guys were kind of, you know, fresh off the turnip truck, you know, and but they were they knew what Jesus was doing, so kind of one of those things of, well, why wouldn't you? You know, here, here's your shot, you know. But Brad brought out that these men were Jewish men. They were brought up in the Jewish way. They had been taught the Shema. They had prayed the Shema. Uh, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. Uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so when they start hearing about this man that's healing people and all these things that he's doing, they realize he's the Messiah. He, he, he could be the Messiah. And then for him to walk up to them and say, will you, will you follow me? You know, he, They know exactly what he's asking them to do. Will you, be, will you allow me to be your rabbi and will you get into my school of training? Because that's what rabbis did back mm -hmm. in the day. Now, your common, ordinary fisherman didn't pretty well ever figure to be trained by any, you know, high-up rabbi. But again, when when he did, they absolutely said yes. I, I also pictured in my mind that these 12, maybe not uh, Judas, but the other 11, had studied uh, Scripture together. They, they had been in similar Sunday school. I don't yeah. know, it's not Sunday yeah. school class. Synagogue. Synagogue classes. And even followed through privately on their own. So when Andrew came, so Andrew was John the Baptist's disciple first. Yes. And then John the Baptist said, Behold the Son of God, uh, the Lamb of God in whom, who has taken away the sins of the world. Right. When he said that, then Andrew's like, Oh, that perks up. Then he goes, starts going to his peeps and saying, Hey, come see a man who, who I think is the Lamb of God or who's the uh, the Messiah. Um, so he he start, it's just these group of guys that maybe have some connection that's behind the scenes we don't know. Um, and they were all in the same class together. They, they did regular studies together, whatever the case would, would be. Um, or they had had these discussions in the deep of the night on the boat mm -hmm. or out fishing. Um, and so they wanted to share with people they knew it was important to them to know when the Messiah came. All right, Thomas. Let me, let me look at the thing again here. He's, uh, to me, he's A for sure. He, he was the disciple that went 
this is by tradition, went to the, the continent of Asia, went to India, um, was, was by tradition, that's the continent he went to. He was the doubter, the, the, um, he's from the, Missouri. Yeah, you got to prove it to me. me. Uh, show me. The one who had intellectual challenges to Christ's ministry and his deity. Right. And for that, I put him at B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It could easily be that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. But I we give so much crap to Thomas for his one mistake when Peter had multiple <laughs> and we put him in S tier. So let's Ooh. meet in the middle yeah, and put him in A. Intellectual challenges aren't always a bad thing either. Like, uh, if I'm not mistaken. As long as you're honest. Yeah, exactly. As long as they're honest challenges. Like, the uh, the word or the name Israel means those who struggle with God. Right. I mean, it's it's natural and good. He wouldn't name his chosen people uh, Israel if he didn't want you to struggle to yeah. a certain extent to to learn the truth. Yeah. Very good. Matthew, the tax collector. Ooh. We got a Z? Uh, we got an F. Not an F, yes. Was oh, okay. he, he, had, he had came over a lot. Maybe C. Okay. Maybe C. Okay. Well, why is that, Gavin? He had a lot to co- overcome, riches to overcome. He had to... He had to divest himself of his wealth. So I see. He was a very wealthy guy. Mm-hmm. So I'd give him a C. If you're rich, you're in C. Um, <laughs> James. James, the son of Altheus, or as some people may know him, uh, the less. James the James less. James the less. See, and again, now you're getting into, you know, like Bartholomew, I just know so little about him. Right. So little is said about him, you know. But, but, but again, I mean, it's kind of like, David's valiant men, you know. You didn't become a valiant man without being valiant, you know. Well, you don't become a disciple without being huh, uh, J- Somebody. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus picked you. I'll um, put him in C. Yeah. Him and Simon were always behind the others, I hear. So. Yeah. What about Thaddeus? Thaddeus. That was a... Thaddeus was a mama's boy, according to John MacArthur. Oh, wow. Has so mom yet? says he's either that? A tier or B tier. If he's a mama's boy. <laughs> I'm a mama's boy. Put him in the S. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I just don't know enough about him yeah, to I be able either. to judge. Okay, uh, C uh, again. Down, down the C tier, yeah. Thad. I don't know much about him. I, I put him down the C tier. Simon the Zealot. The Zealot. Just the fact that, I mean, you, you did not earn the Zealot. Without Ta- tag right. without being a zealot. A zealot. So B. B. Yeah. For and those. I was putting them down with James because they kind of hang out together mm. on Easter anyway. Like fellows hang alike. No, just I, it's a veiled t- reference to our Easter walk. Sorry. Oh, oh you guys aren't getting my humor. No, we're not. Sorry, we're so James and we're being I serious. Just you take a nap. I just keep yawning. Okay, and then uh, Judas Iscariot. We've already decided oh, just yeah. F tier. Yeah. And then the honorable mention is Paul. Ooh, well, I'll Paul's an S. S. Yeah. 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 He was a replacement, really, for... I was just For Judas, say, right. Any, well, can anyone name the one that was drawn Ooh. by a uh, lot in the uh, 120 group uh, right before... Didn't Bart- it start with a B? Uh, Bartimaeus? Bar- um, well, I thought it was Mathis or something. Matthias. Yeah. Matthias, yeah, Sounds something right. like that. It could have been... Well, I don't know. Know. He's never mentioned mm-hmm. again. No. The poor guy. Yeah, must have been spiritual. <laughs> all right, Boys very good. So that, that is our uh, tier list. Cool. Peter, James, and John, and Paul are S tier. That was S-tier, interesting. 
Andrew Philip Thomas is A tier, Bartholomew and Simon are B tier, Matthew, James, and Thad is C, and Judas is an F. Sorry. Fail. Okay. Have a new kid by Friday. Chapter Thursday. Chapter Thursday, that's right. He does something to go. very I, interesting here. Right? You know, he uses the ABCs earlier in the book as attitude, behavior, and character. Character. Well, so now he uses the ABCs as acceptance, belonging, and competence. Competence. There we go. Uh, so so we're, we're, we're progressing. You know, we're progressing in how to get your child uh, to be the child that, that he, should, he or she should be. And the interesting thing is, is he keeps working on you as a parent also. You know, I mean, he's making this very clear. Your child turning out the way he or she should is dependent upon you and I being the people that we should be. Right, and in this one, he also got into how you respect your children is very important. So he talks about a lot of people in today's um, generations want their kid to feel good, so right. they focus more on their self-esteem and right. not necessarily on their self-worth, self but they talk about how that affects their expectations. Like, I just want him to feel good, so I'm not really going to expect him to do much. I'm going to give him what he wants so he feels good, or her give her what she wants so she feels good. Um, but then that's not respecting them, because subconsciously, they're, the message that they're getting is that, I think you're so stupid that you can't do it yourself, so I'll do it for you. And you, you think about it, I, I almost, I feel very sympathetic towards parents in this world. We look and see what the potential is. We look and see what other kids going to the same school as, as our kids go to, what, what they're capable of and the such. And the thought is, I just want them to turn out okay, you know. And, and I, I get that. I really do. I, I fell into some of that, you know. But... The reality is, is as parents, God is looking to us to set the bar. You know, God is looking at us to to make sure that our kids know we have expectations. You're, you know, you've got my last name. I'm expecting you to be more than just, you know, get by. Uh, and we adopted, and you know, uh, time will be the judge. But we adopted the phrase of the Liberty University. Uh, Jerry Falwell years ago said, we're trying to train champions for Christ. And when you look at the people, the products that they turn out, I mean, they're doing something right. Now, now yes, Junior has dropped the baton, you know, if anything in the news is to be trusted or, you know, believed, he's dropped the baton. But he's no longer there. He's no longer in, you know, he's not making decisions at liberty. So I believe that they are still pushing that mantra, uh, you know, trying to create, if you will, champions for Christ. Well, as a parent, you have to determine what, what am I going to lovingly drill into my child that, that I expect you to be. Uh, now, getting back to what, you know, Mr. Uh, Lehman here says here. That's going to be fostered by acceptance, belonging, and then competence. So, uh, you know, what can we do as parents 
and granted, now we only have one person on the panel that's not a parent. Mm. What can we do as individuals or what has been done that's been successful to foster acceptance? The uh, Josh McDowell is the first person that I ever heard to use this phraseology that he would use with his kids. If his kids would do something negative before and after correction, he would tell them, you have the stamp of God upon your soul and spirit. You have infinite worth and value because of that. And I love you no matter what. There's nothing you can do negatively to cause me to stop loving you because of that infinite value and worth. But then when they would do something positive, he would tell them the same thing. You have the stamp of God upon you, infinite value and worth. There's nothing you can do positively to make me love you more. That's acceptance, you know. Yeah, and, and I think uh, there's an important distinction between that and accepting behavior because you're accepting their self-worth the fact that God made them in his image, you're accepting that. You're not accepting their poor behavior. You're not whatever they do. You're just going to, you know, love them through it. That's and right. you well, do like said, love them through it, yeah. but not in, in such but a way. But with correction. As, exactly. You don't just brush it off like it's no big deal because you're accepting to it. Right. I think, like, thinking of behavior, it's behavior that is wrong. And I know that's what you mean, but a lot of times I think, too, you try to, like, make them more like you. You need to accept their behavior. He mentions like how if you don't, then they're going to go look for it in their peers. And, you know, he talks about these things like the kids accept kids for who they are. They don't hassle them for their blue hair. They think it's kind of cool. Their nose ring, they got them to and baggy pants. And so, you know, allowing them to be their own person, have their own personality, I think is a, is a good way to accept them. And then, you know, we talk about this just in relationships is to find places where, like spend time doing their hobbies with them right. or or even just listening to them talk about their favorite things and go out of the way to have the relationship. I think if you have a relationship with them, you spend time with them, you talk to them, that's an accept, you know, that's accepting of them. And and I think doing the same thing to them that you expect them to do for you. When we as parents talk, we expect our kids to listen to us, mm. you know. And and we make them listen to us type of thing. Well, so the reverse That's is true huge. too. That's huge. It's huge. So so when they've got something exciting that they want to talk about, even though to you it may be the most boring thing in the world, you need to bite your tongue and sit down and listen. You know, and, and do your best to invest. You know, and it's difficult, but it is very important. I have a hard time distinguishing here or separating out the acceptance and the belonging part. So the acceptance part. Um, seeing in that person who they are and maybe even verbalizing it to the child and I, I see you as my my son I see you as my daughter uh, I, I I see you as having traits that my uncle your uncle had or my dad had or my mother had or, or your mom's dad had you you're very similar to them so weaving into them their you know, you're accepting who they are and that they belong at the same time. This is where you belong. I think this is a huge thing. Um, this this topic of belong is one of those things that I've stumbled onto in Scripture. That somebody, somebody, I think we've underplayed that, going to someone and saying, you belong here. Family, work, church, 
Sunday school. How do you communicate? You, you belong here. I, I'm, we, we accept who you are. We're flattered that you want to be in our church or our, you want to work here. And, and here's what we do to, to show you that you, you belong here now. You're, you're us. Um, there's no more distinction. When you're new, that's huge. Yeah. I brought myself to tears this morning preparing for tonight, thinking about exp- you know, how to express that to your family how to express to them that you accept them unconditionally and as a result they belong well the reality is is even parents and humans struggle with that that they, they they truly struggle with that why because they they're not even sure if they belong you know they're struggling with their own insecurities and, and insignificancies and, and such of that nature so as i have grown in christ I realize that even the love and acceptance of my wife and kids is a choice. Well, you know, when you say that, then that almost, if you're not careful, that breeds insecurity because uh, he can change his mind tomorrow. No, not if I'm every day doing what Christ wants me to do. So uh, I I think it's extremely important uh, for us to communicate regularly to our kids. Again, I accept you because of your self-worth. And I've chosen, even though, yes, I need to re-up every day. I, I've chosen for the rest of my life. I, you're mine. I'm yours. You, you got a problem or an issue, you don't hesitate to call uh, and such. Now, when they were kids, I would tell them, I'm probably going to get after you first, but I'm going to love you and I'm going to forgive you. And we'll move it goes back to the accepting them, not their behavior necessarily. That's right. Yeah. 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 If, the, if you have to spend a night in jail, I'll come get you. There's a huge know. side to that, too. Correction is a... Is a Something that happens when you love. belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You belong here when you're corrected here. That's right. Uh, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He chastens. Um, mm-hmm. And Jesus said himself to his own disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as somebody who doesn't belong. I'll come to you and and so that you know you belong with me. Amen. Very good. Um, I think that I, we're going to stop right there because I think we can... This is a good conversation, and I don't want to cheat it on its time. So I want to stop there so we can have more time next week to discuss it. Just to close this is um, a little thing he says about how to respect your children. Never do for them what they can do and should do for themselves. Don't repeat your instructions, so say it one time. Expect the best of them. Don't praise them and encourage them. And he talks more about the difference between praising them and encouraging them later in the chapter. So we'll hopefully hit that next week. I've had some people text in that I hadn't been able to read off their text. So I wanted to do that before we closed up. Um, During the tier list, Christina texted in that when I said the last will be the first and the first will be the last, it reminded her that she used to let everyone go at the drinking fountain because she was thinking the last would be first and the first would be last. So it would get her some uh, brownie points in heaven if she let everyone go go first. (laughs) Um, I love that. (laughs) And, oh, well, so Larry texted in some things. One says, Jesus saying the Roman centurion being a better believer than most of his people in the country. So the Roman centurion would probably be S tier on the tier list if we had included Mm -hmm. in that. Um, Then also with the kids, expect the best, get the best. To empower your child, accept and love them unconditionally. Provide opportunities for responsibility. And praise a child, or like this Lehman is going to talk about, it's better to encourage them. And then Jamie Frosser texted in, We adopted Ben's. My significance and security is in Christ and Christ alone. Um, Oh, 
You want me to read all of it? So, however, that backfired when Olivia said someone was being stupid. I explained that those words are hurtful and to treat others how we want to be treated. I asked her how she would feel if I told her I thought she was stupid. She said, I don't care. I only care what God thinks about me. Because <laughs> her significance and security is in Christ and Christ alone. That's Amen. Okay. She's going to be a lawyer. From the, oh, truth, yeah. the mouth of babes, yeah. right? Dad, you have a Proverbs or Psalms to share with us. Yep. Every time I pause, you, you three say, and you guys can too if you want to, for his mercy endureth forever. Okay. Okay. For his mercy endureth forever. Every time I pause. You ready? This is, uh, I didn't even write it. Hang on. Let's see if it says it. For his mercy endureth forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 136, 1 through 26. Here we go. Uh, Got to get back to it now. This is from Rick Thomas this morning. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his, for his mercy, mercy endureth forever. forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. For his, for his mercy, mercy endureth forever. forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. For, for his, his mercy, mercy endureth forever. forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders. For, for his, his mercy, mercy endureth forever. forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. For his, for his mercy, mercy endureth forever. forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters. For, for his, his mercy, mercy endureth, endureth forever. forever. To him that made great lights. For his, for his mercy, mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day. For his, for his mercy, mercy endureth forever. forever. The moon and stars to rule by night. For his, his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. For, for his, his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them. For, for his, his mercy endureth forever. forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. For, for his, his mercy endureth forever. forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts. For his, his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it. For his, his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his, his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings. For his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings. For his mercy endureth forever. Shehan, king of the Amorites. For his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan. For his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for a heritage. For his mercy endureth forever. Even a heritage unto Israel his servant. This exercise endureth forever. Who remembered us in our lowest state. For his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh. For his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven. Heaven. Now, for his mercy endureth forever. Good. I asked for one. I know. Listen, <laughs> you can tell we don't do responsive readings. <laughs> right, yeah. Have mercy. That, Have mercy. That has gone by the wayside, that's for sure. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Please invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives to next week's session and share the word on your socials. Good night.